I'm James Barry from Black Hats Gaming, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris and Peter talk about science fiction role-playing games. In the news, an unboxing of the Star Trek Adventures Tricorder Collector's Box, D&D Beyond has a new bundle for Dungeons & Dragons, Wizards of the Coast revenue is over $1 billion, and more, plus a brand new sketch about the big decisions involved in the duel. This week on Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Perturbed Dragon Tavern. It says here that this establishment serves only the finest real ale and the best meat pies this side of Grim Harbor. Well, I can tell you that I visited this establishment a number of times a few years ago. I was part of a gaming group, but we had a falling out that was never resolved. Anyway, their beer tastes like battle water, and their cocktail selection is almost non-existent. I'm fairly sure that their meat pies are made from rat meat. I was terribly ill after eating one. Anyway, if you feel you have to visit this festering hovel of a tavern, you'll find it just outside the western gate of Thorniston's Hale, the Perturbed Dragon Tavern. Who even comes up with these names? It's ridiculous. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG Hello, hello, hello and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk I am Russ aka Morris or Morris aka Russ and I did that in a very strange cadence, just for fun. And with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ has ever, it is a delight to be here. That's a pretty good cadence too. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed that. I really enjoyed it. I think yeah, you should good. do the whole podcast like that. Okay then, let's go! <laughs> I don't know, I get annoyed at that very quickly. <laughs> I know, right? So, <laughs> well, be careful what you wish for, you might just get it. What can you do? Hey, have you noticed that I'm wearing a, a red shirt? I could only assume... It's because you wanted to be an extra on Star Trek. Well, I come equipped. Wait, what is that? That's a tricorder. No. Sent to me by Modifius. Oh. I ordered this like late last year. We mentioned it on the podcast and I was super excited. Yes. So I ordered this as soon as they came up for pre-order. And it arrived today. I haven't opened it yet. So this is like, so it's basically, um, a tricorder which opens up as like a box satchel. It's got a strap, yeah. which I haven't attached yet, but it's got a strap. Mm, nice, so you can nice. wear it over your shoulder like a tricorder. Nice, nice, nice. And you open it up yeah. like a tricorder, and it's got yeah. sort of graphics inside, looking like the little screen and the dial and stuff yeah, like that. And then inside it, it has, yes. I take it out, a wow. copy of... Star Trek Adventures for Modifius, like in a digest size. That is a chunky boy there. Yeah. And there's some counters there. And there's, there's another book there as well, but it's all in shrimp shrink wrap. I should have, I should have, um, I should have anticipated. (laughs) Well, well, there you go. We're getting the full and opening unboxing experience. Live on air. Uh, And why live on air? I mean, in no way live, but probably on air. We've got a bunch of counters. Oh, okay. Alert counters. Mm. And some little round Federation logo counters. Okay. 
which I assume are for like, do they have momentum points or something in the two D twenty? Yeah, yeah, Dune and stuff like that. Yeah, they call it something different. Yeah. So strip that off. I've got three books here. Four books here. Four books. Oh no, three no, two books and a lot of cards. Okay. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, inflation man, it gets the same time. <laughs> so we got digest format, full colour, lovely glossy paper, quite thick paper pages. Wow. Lovely version of the Star Trek Adventures core rule book. That is a solid looking rule book. Yeah. I, lo- I like the cover. It's all sort of cool, isn't it? Yeah. Then we've got the Keyhole of Eternity, which is a small, again, digest-sized, soft-cover book, Yeah, which is an adventure, it looks like. Yes, yes, it's uh, got a really polished feel to it. It's like got that black cover, and then you've got the yellow on one and the blue on the other, and that looks really nice. production values here are off the scale. So, Mm. these cards, USS Enterprise and Crew. So, I've got a card... Digest size card with a picture of the uh, original series USS Enterprise and its stats. Yep. And I've got Lieutenant T. Pren. Okay. I, I don't remember them from, or Lieutenant Commander G. Tan. I don't remember either of them from Star Trek. Okay. Still. Um, then we got Christine Chapel. I remember her. Mm, okay. Ensign. And on the back, we've got co- some rules, a rules table of some kind, combat uh-huh. momentum personnel. Uh, okay. We've got the USS Lexington and crew. Oh, yes, so another okay. another ship. Commander Writer, Writer, not Riker. Yeah, uh, Lieutenant Commander Vorette. Oh, we've got Chekhov here. Here we go. Yes, it's a very original series. Yeah, so we've got Chekhov. Yeah, got Captain Kirk. Nice. We've got Scotty. Yeah, I guess they didn't feel the need to put a picture on because they we know what they look like. Yeah, <laughs> Sulu, yeah. Captain Moore, who has got a picture. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Uhura. Yeah. Getting us on the starboard bow, starboard bow, starboard bow. Uh, McCoy. It's worse than that. He's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim. <laughs> and Commander right. Spock. I'm a, I'm a doctor, not a songwriter. <laughs> oh, sorry. Star trucking across the universe. All right, what else have we got in this box? Yeah. We also then have a set of what can only be described as dice. Yes. So I've got some green, I've got five green D20s. Yep. Now I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten D6s. And Ooh. on one side they've got a Star Trek emblem. On the other side they've got two little stars. On another side they've got one star and the other side's a blank. I see. I don't know how to play the 2D20 system, so I don't know what that means, but I will find out when I read the book. Yes. And there we go. And then all this fits neatly in my tricorder satchel. Thusly, as I place it back, and this is solid as well. This is quite. Oh, is that, that is not, a lot solider looking than I thought it was going to be. To that's us. not. It's not a flimsy box. No, that's nice solid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they go in. Yeah. And then the dice go in there, and then yeah. the strap. Oh, uh, listeners, please enjoy the crunching, crackling sounds. Yeah. As Morris. There we go. Yeah. So the strap goes. Oh. Uh, it's got a pair of anchor points on it somewhere. Oh, yeah. There's, a, there's, there's some clips on either side of the box. Mm-hmm. There we go. Hey! There we go. And then, if I stand, oh. put this over my shoulder, oh, my red yeah. shirt, carrying my tricorder. Look at that. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, that I, I, I feel you really need a blue shirt for that, but I'll accept a red. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a blue shirt, but I did have a red shirt. You don't. Uh, that's very good. 
Well, I do own a blue shirt, but it's in the washing, so I can't wear it. <laughs> Which is something Dr. McCoy never, ever had to say. Yeah. Well, he, he had people to do his washing for him, I suspect. <laughs> but anyway, shall we, shall we, shall we um, talk about how Wizard of the Coast is the first billion-dollar tabletop RPG company? Now what? The first billion-dollar tabletop RPG company. Bloody hell. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah, that is a lot of money. <laughs> that is Probably. a hell of a lot of money. So wow. they posted their earnings release for 2021. Is that Wizards of the Coast specifically? Wizards of the Coast specifically, not Hasbro. Wizards of no. the Coast uh, wow. as a subsidiary of Hasbro. Wow. So they reported a total sales of $1.3 billion. Wow. That is this is a lot of money for us. Not only that, that is... 72% of Hasbro's whole operating profit for the year is Wizards of the Coast. This includes Magic the Gathering, though, as well, yeah, though. Yeah, it includes Magic the Gathering. Yeah, but even so, wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wow. I mean, you know, 72%, um, remember that Hasbro's got Monopoly and Transformers and yeah, so. a lot of really big brands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. If you want Wiz- something small and plasticky, they have you covered, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But oh. Wizards of the Coast is 72% of their operating profit. Profit. 1.3 billion Great. in sales. Well, uh, uh, 1.3 billion in sales, 1.3 billion in profits. Because those are not the same number. Yeah, that's why, that's why I mentioned the two separate things. Right. So 1.3 billion in sales and yes. it's also 72% of the company-wide operating profit. 952 million in tabletop game sales. Wow. 1.3 billion in sales total. So there's also some digital stuff going on there as well. Yeah, yeah. So the digital sales must be quite difficult. It's it's like a a chunk, a big chunk of change, but it's still not as big as the actual Uh, stuff. So Hasbro's total company wide operating profit is 763.3 million. Okay. And Wizards of the Coasts. Share of that, their operating yeah. profit is five hundred forty-seven million. So that's where that seventy-two percent is. Wow, that's a lot of money. That, that is that is a lot of money. Mm. Um, Goes to show that tabletop gaming is big now, though. It really is big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, crikey, it'd be interesting, I guess, to do like a comparison of like a decade at a time or something mm. from. Your first Dungeons and Dragons. I don't, think it's been any, I don't think it's even been in the same order of magnitude as this. I, well, I don't know. Yeah. In the eighties, D and D was pretty huge, and there was a cartoon, and yeah. it was, and you, you could pick it up in like in the UK. You could yeah. pick it up in like W H Smiths and news agents mm. and um, Virgin Mega Stores, and you know, it's like mm. mainstream stores you could pick it up in in mm. the UK yeah, in the eighties. Yeah. So, yeah. and um, Dragon are, Magazine yeah. was on the shelves in. You know, local yeah. news agents. Yeah, yeah, but that's like um, a specialist publication, as it were. So that's not wildly out of spec. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting to see, like, adjusted for inflation figures, how it's doing and so forth. Because as a second renaissance goes, that's like, wow, wow. I reckon, like, someone like um, Ben Riggs and the people who've been making, writing these TSR history books. Oh, yeah. And they've been like doing lots of analysis and getting hold of mm. figures and things like that. I bet they could tell you that. It might be worth reaching out to somebody and asking if they've ever made that particular comparison. Mm-hmm. Like adjusting yeah, for inflation, how was it doing now as opposed to at its height in the 80s? Yeah, yeah. That would be, be, uh, well, be a really interesting question to answer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't yeah. there. <laughs> 
Right. So, like, grants. Grants, as in money given to you to pursue a specific objective. Yes. Alternatively, yeah. as to brothers of Phil's. <laughs> EastEnders jokes. That is the least <laughs> joke, even for you, Morris. Even for you. <laughs> yes. All of our American listeners are like, what? Are you talking about? Quite a few British listeners as well. well I, think, I, I think most British people know who Phil and um, Grant Mitchell Grant are. Mitchell are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even if they've never watched EastEnders. Besides, I, they I were in EastEnders like in the 80s or 90s or something, weren't they? Long time ago. Focus. RPG podcast. You can do this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Grant Mitchell. No. <laughs> so, there are three grants have been reported on this week. One from Wizards of the Coast, one from I Need Diverse Games, and one from Isigrim, 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 Isigrim Creations. I don't know, Isigrim. I don't know, Isigrim. Where's he? Well, so the Wizards of the Coast has a program, they've launched a program, Um, you can apply for it, and it's a retail improvement grant for 2022. Okay. Uh, I don't know, there we go, they'll pay 50% of the project cost for mm-hmm. independent retail stores okay. to improve their spaces with like furniture, decor, design improvements, accessibility, basic electrical, f- plumbing, stuff like that too, um, digital right. storefronts, marketing, everything. Mm. So it's, uh, so they'll pay, they'll pay 50% of the project cost to, mm. to improve a retail outlet, like nice. an independent hobby retail outlet. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, you have to be in the US, Canada, or Japan to apply. Okay. Didn't see that last one coming. <laughs> and mm. applications are open until March the 31st, 2022. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is only really of interest to our very, 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 probably very, very tiny listener base that happened to run game stores, I suppose. <laughs> well, I think this is a podcast listened to by game designers, uh, people who are generally interested in RPGs, and... I would include probably people who work in shops, just so they can keep up on what's going on. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but maybe not. Who knows? Okay. So, I Need Diverse Games um, has $10,000 in total grants. Nice. Maximum individual grants of $1,000 each. Okay. And these are for black game developers working in video or tabletop role-playing game, looking for funds to start or continue work. Okay, yeah. Um, you can apply for that. The applications close on February the 17th, so that's really soon. Yeah, so next couple of days. Yeah. Uh, yeah, about a week, I think. What is it now? Yeah, well, it's the 11th, 11th today. 11th, yeah. So, so that would be next Thursday. Yeah. And then so, finally, Izigrim, Izigrim, I-Z-E-G-R-I-M Creations. Okay, Izigrim, yeah. Have launched an indie publisher contest to help Ooh. fund independent game projects. Interesting. Um, the winner of the contest will get a $1,000 cash prize. Ooh. To enter, you must have an independently published game product in development. Mm-hmm. You retain all rights to your entry. Okay. So then nice. That, to, that is really nice. That's really good. Yeah. I've seen a lot of competitions, not just in TTRPGs, but elsewhere, yeah. where people are just like saying, yeah, and all your stuff yeah. belongs to us. For so they're, they're not, thousands. They're not so. seeking to use it. They're not seeking no. to gain anything from this. This is a yeah. very much a, you know, yeah. a giveaway. This is actually a proper yeah. generous giveaway. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Love it. Uh, entries were open on February the 28th. Originally, nice. this said you had to be a US citizen to apply. Mm-hmm. I asked why. Yes. And they said something about tax implications and then said, okay, now we've opened it to, 
Because I said it would be really, really useful for people like in the global south or oh yeah, yeah, uh, people who haven't got access to Kickstarter, which mm. is one of the biggest fundraising avenues that tabletop yeah. game, game creators can use these days. Mm. It would be yeah. really useful for them. So now it's globally open. Yes, which no, cool. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and depending where you are, thousand dollars could go a lot further. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's three, there's three separate grants available. That's amazing. Hmm. Uh, it's really nice to see some generosity yes. going into yeah. the field. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Dark Souls, the role-playing game from Steamforged Games, which we've talked about the last two weeks in a row. They're doling yes. out information bit by bit each week. Yeah, yes. Keeping us talking about it and yes. listening to the news. Yes. Good, yes. good for that. So the first week they announced it. The second week they told us it was going to be a fifth edition game and oh, talked right, a little yes. bit about some of the changes to the rules. Yes. This week they've announced two things. One is that there's going to be a collector's edition core rule book with a faux leather cover. Okay, pretty much every game has that these days, so that's not a... Oh, all the reputable ones. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's going to be 500 pages long. Nice. And we've got a look at the four origins and ten classes that will be available to play. Four origins and ten classes. Yes. Yeah. So the Four origins are brute, fencer, caster, and jack-of-all-trades. Right. I'm not 100 percent sure what an origin is in that context. Let me have a look. Well, they're trying to shoehorn it into the D and D fifth ed framework, mm. so it would stand in for race, except I'm that they don't have those so, different. Yeah, but except defi- they don't have a differentiation there because that would be nonsensical yeah. within the framework of the Dark Souls world. So that's a thing you can stick in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm Unless like it's a, a background. No, but it well, seems unlikely to be background. Well, well, brute, fencer, caster, and jack of all trades. They kind of feel like classes to me. Yeah, yeah. They, they've got that archetypical ring to them. Yeah. But then you've also got 10 classes. Mm. Well, the 10 classes are mm-hmm. the knight, mm-hmm. the mercenary, mm-hmm. the assassin, okay. the warrior, okay. the thief, okay. the herald, <laughs> the cleric. Right, right. Sorcerer. Yeah. The pyromancer. Uh-huh. And the deprived. Okay. Right. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. It's just like... Well, let me dive yeah. into them a little bit and let's it, have a look. It feels really strongly like... Oh, the art. A mix it, of oh, subclasses. The art on these is gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, for us a link. Let me see. Okay. Go. So... There's each of the classes there with the art. The text <laughs> is too small to read. Yeah, yeah. And there's, can you click on... Oh, you can click on them and enlarge them. Okay, so it's not too small to read. So you can zoom in on them. There's, there's all ten of them there. Yeah. It's nice, though. I want to see what that deprived thing is. The deprived. Well, the picture yeah. is of um, somebody in a loincloth, which is... Um, I guess you are deprived, then. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There is so little of you left, no possessions, no memories. All you know is that you scrambled out of the grave, called forth once more. Hmm, okay. There you go. You start off with nothing. I mean, what they're saying, what I'm seeing here is they've got like a two-handed weapon fighter, a great weapon fighter. A dual wielder. Um, someone who does knives, someone who does bows. Hmm. It's just, it's like yeah. the classes are just like, well, a lot of the classes are just kind of like fighting styles, aren't they? Almost. Pretty much. Yeah. The deprived is the monk, mm. is what that's looking for. You want to start with nothing and then everything they get. Mm. Right. And you've got the pyromancer, which is pretty much like how you play your wizard. Well, not yet, because I haven't got fireball yet, have I? Because I'm not <laughs> fifth level, because somebody's not giving out enough XP. Mm. 
Kill more stuff faster. <laughs> I do kill stuff as fast as I can. That's true, you're doing quite well last night. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I scorching rage those terrafolk to oblivion. Yeah. Mm. You did. But I'm still quite a long way off fifth level, so I still haven't got my fireball. Eh, you're not too far. Um, I only a couple of thousand XP. You'll be only a couple of thousand. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that is um, um, mm. Dark Souls. Yeah. Nice. Um, we've got a new cyberpunk role-playing game on the horizon. Oh, okay. This is from Son of Oak. Mm-hmm. They make uh, City of Mist, which is a modern fantasy game. Yes, yes, I'm well acquainted with that. That uses the Powered by the Apocalypse framework, but doesn't go with the archetypes. Mm. Mythos and Logos and so forth. Yeah. So this is a book set in Japan. Yeah. Um, it's called City of, of Tokyo, Otherworld. Mm-hmm. Um, it uses the City of Mist core rules, but it's an alternate okay. far future version. Okay. Um, and it's got a Kickstarter coming in September. Yeah. It does look pretty cool. It's like yeah, sort yeah. of comic booky, yeah, sort of comic book style cyberpunk art on the cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like, I mean, if it's going for sort of a cyberpunk slash techno noir feel, then that, I feel that would be a really strong choice using the City of Mists. Okay, so, ooh, right, so it's two, it's actually two books. So, two books. So we've got the Cornwall book, which is called Otherworld. Yeah. The Otherworld RPG. But mm. Otherworld has a colon before it. It's colon Otherworld. Uh, okay. Which is unusual. And mm. then the setting book that goes with it is yes. called City of Tokyo Otherworld. So it's two books, the RPG okay. and a setting. So there's the other world RPG and there's a setting book for it. Is yeah, that correct? That is correct. That That's is correct. correct, yes. That implies that they're looking to roll out some more of world RPG. Yeah. Uh, it does imply yeah. exactly that thing. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can definitely see for the right group, it is going to be a really good game. Mm. The Mythos and Logos split that they have in City of Mists, yeah, it does its job. It evokes just the right feelings. It's a, uh, yeah, good, mm. good fit. Yeah. I've seen a Kickstarter I got all that um, pushback after announcing they were doing that blockchain-y stuff. Good. So yes. a couple the of other digital stores. Catastrophically stalks. environmentally damaging and no legitimate use thing. Yeah. 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 So drive through RPG. <laughs> and itch, itch.io, itch.io, itch.io. Yeah. I still don't know how you pronounce it. Uh, they really should have a pronunciation guide on the site just to, to tell you how to pronounce the name of their website. They, 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 they don't mind. So, Everyone they, they speak to pronounces it differently. Yeah. But anyway, that it, site. It's.io. Yeah. yeah. Have yeah. both made announcements. Yes. yes. Which would you like I, to hear first? Which of these two exciting announcements would you like to hear first? Oh, oh, oh. Could you do, could, could you drive through RPG on NFTs and VTTs? Cause that was, that was hilarious. I don't know about VTTs. Oh, it's like it's another form of this bizarre pyramid scheme that we call bizarre pyramid scheme that we call crypto. VTT or not virtual tabletop? Well, that 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 is the thing. Some crypto bro who had no idea is like, "Oh, you should you'll regret it that you don't get into VTTs and drive through RPGs." Like, yeah, actually, we have lots of VTTs. Here's a link to our store. Mm. <laughs> Maybe you'll find one you like. Oh, I see. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh. Um, so it was like, ah, yes, marvelous. Okay, so okay. that's not what we should Tell me more, then. I need to know. Okay, so drive-thrus was short, and yes. each.io's was long. So drive-thru just said, in regard to NFTs, we see no use for this technology in our business ever. That was it. Short, sweet, to the point. Yeah, good. 
Ish.io's was um, a little more creative. So they <laughs> said, Okay. <laughs> a few have asked about our stance on NFTs. Yes. NFTs are a scam. If you think they are legitimately useful for anything other than the exploitation of creators, financial scams, and the destruction of the planet, we ask that you please reevaluate your life choices. <laughs> Peace. Also, <laughs> expletive deleted. I don't know what expletive was there. Because I'm meaning a quote here. <laughs> any company that says they support creators and also endorses NFTs in any way, they only care about their own profit and the opportunity for wealth above everyone else, especially given the now easily available discourse concerning the problems of NFTs. How can you be so dense? So that was their statement. Yeah, I don't see anything controversial. I mean, they said the same thing as um, Drive-Thru RPG, just more colourfully. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, 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 have, they have strong feelings in the matter, whereas Drive-Thru RPG is like, no. Yeah. Wait, wait, I, I, I respect both... Both stan- I respect both stances on that. They, they both seem like strong, well-thought-out stances. Yeah. I still don't know what they are, and I still don't want to know. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> I've looked it up at least more than once, but less less, less than probably three times. i I, I got to say, if you have to do it that many times, it's probably not a good idea to try and put money into it. Um, I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Then we, then we shall get one famously. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so obviously other pl- crowdfunding platforms are sort of like getting a bit more attention because of the pushback against Kickstarter. Yes, yes. Um, one of them is the uh, GameFound site. Okay, tell me which more. Which I've never used before, I've never seen, but... I, I, I had never heard of, but okay. go against AFTs then. Well, doing something right. Well, $4.5 million dollars is being invested in GameFound by a German publisher called Ravensburger, who produced board games. Yes, yes, they are major board game producers. Mm. Nice, okay. Yeah, well, they are investing $4.5 million into GameFound. Uh, I, I mean, you know how big they are, because I have heard of them. Okay. <laughs> I have heard of them and remembered their name. That's how big a game is publisher they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I'm looking at Daryl's column here, and he's just got mm. some stats here. GameFound so far mm. has hosted 665 projects, okay. 650,000 backers so far, grand total of 202 mm. million euros. Yep. Um, inc- so, including like a 1.2 million dollar campaign for Modiphius's Elder Scrolls Skyrim board mm. game. Okay. And a couple of four to th- three to four million dollar other board games. So yeah. yeah. Like, so they sound like a solid choice for the board game market. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I might have a look at that. Talking, talking to Kickstarter though, how, how is your Kickstarter doing? Oh, it's not too shabby. It funded, obviously. Um, it's coming to an, it's coming to an end soon, isn't it? Yes. Yes. It will be all over on Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Well, ba- ba- basic, basically Tuesday. Yeah. It runs until the 15th, but because in my ignorance, I did not realize I could set it to go all day. It finishes like. 9 9 a.m. for America time. Yeah. Uh, on the 15th. Yeah. Uh, but 4 p.m. UK time. Okay. Uh, oh, yes, how are we doing? We How are, are you doing? 5,160 pounds or 6,979 dollars. Wow. That's pretty <laughs> decent, isn't it? I'm, I'm very pleased with it. I gotta say it's, it's, it's far exceeded my wildest expectations. Hmm. How's the layout uh, coming? Is that done now? The layout is, I believe, Almost entirely finished. Sarah was asking me questions 
about a couple of things in the appendices. Mm. So I'm anticipating having that probably at the weekend. I'll go for it again, but we've- it's, it's going to be out when the uh, Kickstarter ends. Oh, this is just for those who are listening. This is your point by heritage and culture creature system for yeah, yeah. level up advanced edition. Yeah. 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 It's all drag and drop and uses existing resources, some of my own stuff and so forth in order to be able to create. Yeah. Just. And it's powered by blockchain, you say? In no way is it powered <laughs> by blockchain. <laughs> so on um, D&D Beyond. Yes. You can get a bundle. Yes. Called the Legendary Bundle. Yes. Which has all 45 D&D books. There's 45 of them. Mm. I think this is, new, this is news to you. 45? Yeah, that, that includes things like the Stranger Things book, the Rick and Morty book, like various uh, one-off adventures. Mm. I'll probably have a look and tell you what they are. Well, it will, but, cost, yeah. it will cost you mm-hmm. $710 to get the whole yep. lot on D&D Beyond. That's obviously the digital version. Yeah. Or there's a source book bundle where you can get for $377. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. So that 45 books, that includes like all of the uh, published adventures. Mm. It also includes things like the total package, one growing above, which are like little. Just little things, right? Yeah, yeah. I can see also it mentions the basic rules, which is distinct from the player's handbook Mm -hmm. and the Sage Advice Compendium. Um, and what else? Uh, things like Frozen Sick, which is some, which is a, like a small mini adventure they released before, um, like during lockdown. Uh, the Kaffir Rising. And essentially these are like tiny little supplements, mm. which are like, I don't know, 20 pages long. They've got a mini adventure and they've got the stats for, alright. Cause they were doing, it was like for a chart, it was for a, it was for a charity mm. event. They were doing them. So it's like basically get access to all those. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. That just popped yeah. up. That just popped up on Facebook, and I saw it, so I thought I'd mention it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean they they've been ruining this for absolutely yonks. Okay. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty. It, I mean it's interesting, but yeah. I've never actually used D and D Beyond. Oh okay. Um, I've used it extensively. Mm. It's yeah. I was using it last night, in fact. Oh. Ah, well, because I don't have stats for Terrafolk in Advanced Fifth Edition. Oh, it's... a grievous oversight. Well, you should you should rectify that and make some. I could as well. They're large and flying. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. I can do that. Talking of advanced fifth <laughs> edition, so you know the yeah. um, Gate Pass Gazette is coming very soon. Well, so, uh, uh, episode? Uh, episode? Issue. Issue one. <laughs> episode one. No, Sorry. One. Sorry I, <laughs> it's been so long since I've actually talked about things in pen and paper format. Oh, my goodness. Um, issue one. Issue yes. one comes issue zero, in March. Awesome. Yes. Next month. And we've got the contents now. The full so the four articles to be found in oh. issue number one are... Yes. Mis- a trigger warning. If you're arachnophobic, you're about to have a very bad time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Super bad. I'm yeah, not kidding. This one's, this one's a themed issue. They won't all be, but this one is. So this is Mysterious Mastermind, the Fate Holder. Yes. It's a giant totally spider. Totally not legally distinct from a beholder in every way. <laughs> a giant spider with eight multicolored eyes. A fate holder spider fixes its prey in an unsettling gaze that can yes. read and sometimes alter the victim's destiny and even its history. In fact, they're even better because spiders eat bees. So the fate holder, the spider eats the bee holder because it's trapped in its web of food. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was a stretch, wasn't it? Oh, it was such a stretch. I forgot about myself. Uh, <laughs> At least go and lie down now. <laughs> Overreached. Oh, we're back. So there's also foretold yes. prowess. So this okay. is a collection of archetypes found Ooh. throughout the Weave of Destiny, including the Law Weaver Bard, the Defiant mm-hmm. Berserker, the Blade oh. Seer Fighter, and the Revoker Herald. Oh, okay, good, good. I was, I was worried Herald wouldn't get enough love. So, yeah, there we go. Lots of that. And we've got Weaving lots Prophecy, a yep. look into the mysterious entity known as the Fate Spinner, a cosmic-level spider that maintains the order of the cosmos and a yep. culture and a destiny for those touched by her influence. Mm, nice. And finally, Those of the Web, a new heritage mm. in the form of the spider folk as well as a set of synergy feats, enabling those empowered by fate to unlock new abilities. Nice. Mm. Love it. I look forward to seeing those. Yeah, I am also looking forward to seeing those. And they will be in the magazine in March. So if you want that, you have to go and subscribe to the Gate Pass Gazette. Fantastic. Yeah. And how much is it to subscribe to the Gate Pass Gazette? I feel Uh, that's important. $10. (laughs) Okay, $10 on Patreon? Yes. $10 on Patreon. Patreon.com slash gatepass? Yes. As far as we're aware. Yes. Patreon.com slash gatepass. That is correct. All right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Is it possible to get, like, a print-on-demand copy? Yes. It Ooh, comes lovely. with a voucher code. And ah. the voucher code lets you buy the print-on-demand copy at cost. So we don't make any money off the print-on-demand copies. No. Because, you know, print-on-demand is quite expensive and you have to pay mm. shipping. So... You know, we, you know, mm. it's just a little bonus extra. If you want to have it yeah, printed, yeah. you can do that. Absolutely. We don't get anything from that. No. But, but you can do. Fantastic. Yeah, I've got my, um, print on demand copy of issue zero around somewhere. Did I show you that? Oh, you've no. got yours, haven't you? Yeah. I showed you, you that. Ha ha. There you go. You've got one too. So yeah. there you go. Just like that. Exactly mm. the same process. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think we kind of finished the news. Oh, um, I had something that was a bit quirky. Uh, are you familiar with the band Gunship? The band what? Gunship. No. Okay, well, they play some fairly good music. They're quite 80s, um, in my opinion. Obviously, all the Gunship fans are now, including listener Lee Donovan, are now uh, gathering their pitchforks and torches to come uh, track me down and hang me for the heretic I am. But yeah, I quite enjoy that stuff. It is fun. Uh, they are releasing an RPG album. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what is an RPG me... album? Well, it is an album, but it also has an RPG attached to it. And essentially, there's like going to be, I think it's, what's it, uh, seven years since it's released the first Gunship album. So that would mean they're entirely not 80s in any way. Uh, <laughs> they're going to make do a vinyl edition with Dice set and a box. Mm-hmm. So dice for seven years. So yeah. 280 gram heavyweight gold vinyls inspired by the Nintendo World Championship cartridges, apparently. A custom okay. dice set featuring the Gunship G logo and like a little uh, dice box featuring okay. the Gunship G logo. So, okay. Um, and say so I mentioned this because I thought it was quite nice. Um, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. Oh, I see. So they've not been going for since the 80s, but their aesthetic is very 80s vaporwave sort of thing. Right, that's, okay. why that's why I'm getting confused. Ah, but yes, they seem pretty nice. But yeah. Fair enough. Oh. Right. Good for that. Um, should we have a quick look at some Kickstarters? Oh, yes, let's. 
See what jumps out at me. Homebrew and hacking, crafting new heritages and cultures by PJ Coffee. No, that was rubbish. Uh, how, how do you work out what that was about from the title? <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> um, felt Friendship and Feelings from Nerdburger Games. That sounds amazing. Is this about making like little dolls to be RPG characters? Uh, puppets. Puppets. Interesting. Yes, you play a puppet. All right. And the game focuses on found family, teamwork, friendship, and all the positive emotions and experiences that life offers an individual made of felt. Right. Which is like trying to stay away from the dogs because they'll just. Which also eat generally you. involves having someone's hand shoved up your bottom, I guess. I don't know. Well, it's a free country. <laughs> we don't like this change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not easy being green. Just ask Kermit Trump. Yeah. All right, let's do this. It's, this is, it's not the Kickstarter game. I'm just curious what you get from this. Dive. What's dive? Um, I'm hoping you're saying it all wrong. It's actually more like dive. Well, it is full... capital letters, so. Well, there we go. I'm hoping. But no it's... exclamation mark. Oh, well, that's clearly a grievous error on their part. I Gordon's would be... alive! It's nothing to do with that either. I'm sorry? I said Gordon's alive. Gordon's alive. Okay, so it's not Brian Blessed. It's not Brian uh, Blessed. No. Uh, being uh, Voltar, King of the Hawkmen, commanding his winged Hawkmen to attack War Rocket Ajax in the 1980s Flash Gordon movie. No. Send out War Rocket Ajax to bring back his body. You'll have to say it with more Russian accent for us. <laughs> <laughs> General Carlo did not mess around. <laughs> <laughs> um, <sighs> yeah, what do you have? Uh, so dive, uh, I guess it could be a game about diving deep into the murky abyssal depths of the ocean. Well, think Mothership. Oh, scary. For underwater. Wow, that sounds literally terrifying. Okay. Yes. So it uses wow. the Mothership rules. Yes. But instead of outer space, it's basically You're the at the sea. Yeah. Wow. wow. Deep blue okay. sea and jaws and stuff. Okay. Um, well, that's my anxiety level through the roof. Great stuff. <laughs> Good job. Good job. <laughs> That's pretty cool. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Hmm. Uh, what else we got? I guess this is it. I don't know what that is. I'm now looking at it. It's from Button Shy Games. The core rulebook fits in a wallet. Okay. Two player RPG. Yeah. Perhaps that's what you um, say when you look at the product. You're like, well, I guess this is it. <laughs> I guess this is it. But yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah. Um, let, me, let me call it up. I shall investigate a pocket-sized RPG about saying goodbye. Oh, did we do this one? I don't think so. I'm Doesn't sure well for me. Yeah, like um, a game about saying goodbye. Like uh, you've got some people and you're just like saying, yeah, you just say goodbye to each other. Huh. That's something about for me. Fair enough. So you've got play- it's a two-player game. You shuffle the deck, set up a, a three-by-four grid of cards yep. which define the story. Yep. And then together you decide why are you saying goodbye? What is that relationship? Um, where does your goodbye take place? Mm. You've got these different options. Like, you know, it might take place at an airport or a train station and your yeah. relationship might be business partners and you might be yeah, saying yeah, goodbye yeah. because of a curse or something, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure one of our guests mentioned it. Maybe it was like power possibly. or something. Yeah, possibly. But anyway, yeah, possibly. But, no, okay, that sounds good. That's how hit Kickstarter. Yeah, Kickstarter, yeah, yeah. Yeah, how's it doing? Uh, Last couple of weeks. 24 hours to go, so you've yeah. got to jump on it quick. 
Um, it cool. is funded. It had a uh, $2,000 goal and it's just about to hit 30 grand. So, Stonks. Well done. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. Oh, okay. That's it. <laughs> There's a couple more. There's Godsend Agenda if you want to play as superheroes inspired more by DC's The Authority rather than the Justice League. Oh, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, although yeah. the Authority's heroes were very closely modelled on the Justice League. Yeah, but, but they weren't uh, as nice. Uh, I, I mean, okay, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> well, they tend different. to just, like, rip people's heads off and stuff. That is true. But yeah, they got a superhuman strength. That's going to happen. Yeah. 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 So anyway, yeah. So that's, that's, that's the Kickstarter this week. Sir Hardacre, we meet again. Indeed we do, Sir Bofferton. I have been waiting too long for this day. I also have been waiting, Hardacre. Today we shall finally resolve our dispute. I see the witnesses are gathered. I hope you have been practising, Brotherton. You're going to need it. Hardacre, I need no practice. Winning this duel will be child's play. Verily, the audience will be disappointed at the ease with which I shall dispatch you. Ah, <laughs> being on the bottle again, I see, Brotherton. To imagine that you have even a chance against me requires a degree of self-delusion hitherto unknown. Well, we shall see, shan't we, Harlaker? We shall see. Now, the referee approaches with the weapons. The gun or the sword? Would you choose or shall I, Brotherton? I am nothing if not a gentleman, Harlaker. You may choose. Then I choose the sword. So be it. And I shall take the gun. Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We just wanted to mention our Patreon. Peter, are you familiar with our Patreon? Oh, is it uh, patreon.com slash Morris? Yes. M-O-R-R-U-S. At patreon.com forward slash Morris, you can find our Patreon, which is what pays for our podcast and buys yes. us all these wonderful microphones and yes. mixers and other little bits and pieces. And wires, so many wires. And all these wires. Uh, we have a load of wonderful Patreon backers at the moment. And yes. those backers get... We cherish you all. Yes, we do cherish them very much. And those backers yes. get bonus content every single week, just as a thank you for uh, for backing our Patreon. And because they're so awesome and so quick off the mark, they also get to like talk to us in our Discord channel, which is pretty good. Mm. And we sometimes even deign to answer that. Uh, but even more importantly, when we have guests coming onto the show, they have the opportunity to ask questions of those guests. Mm. Um, and then we will pass on the questions that we think we, our guests will answer. So please, if you do enjoy the podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Morris. Link will be in the show notes. Yes. And support us, even with just a dollar a month. Every little, every little bit helps. Yes, what should we talk about? <laughs> well, we should maybe talk about science fiction. Science, science fiction? Yeah, science fiction and role-playing games. That always seems like a good laugh. The fiction of science. Yeah, I mean... All the science of fiction. Um, I guess there's also a science of fiction as well. Mm. Um, as well as an art, obviously. Okay, what's the best science fiction? Oh, Brookie. Um I don't know, I can't really 
say for I mean I could say for myself what I think I enjoy most. All right, what's your favourite science fiction? Um, I used to be very much into hard science fiction, but has which was stuff like Asimov's mm. short stories. So you had people trapped somewhere in space, and then they science their way to freedom and escape mm. um, just by like knowing obscure science and using it. Yeah. Marooned Over Vesta, I think, being the short story that springs to mind best, which is essentially spoilers for a 50, 60-year-old story at this point, but essentially they're in a part of a spaceship that has a passenger line that's been blown apart. Um, they're in an airtight compartment, but they are uh, they have no motive power. They have a bit of air, um, some food, but yeah, we'll run out sooner. But what they also have is they have an intact supply of water, which is enough water for the entire liner. So they get to, they get, they, someone gets into a space suit, goes around the side and, um, whacks a hole in the hole or something and pops into like, I feel like we've had this conversation before. I'm getting a real sense of deja vu. It could be. We've talked about a lot of stuff over the past three years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A really strong sense of deja vu. So what, okay. which RPG would you use to model a game like that then? So you want to do hard science fiction. Oh, yeah. Well, what RPG fiction? would you use? Well, that's actually a really tough question to answer because on the one hand, maybe you want a game with lots of rules and lots of support for it. Hmm. But I would argue that actually maybe a storytelling game might be better for it in some respects. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, interesting. Dread. Dread. Dread okay. That's for science sci-fi horror, I suppose, that would work well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sci-fi horror that would work very well. Mothership? I'm not familiar with it, but I think that tends more towards the gothic horror, I want to say, from my very vague and lack of understanding of it. I don't know. Yeah. Alien? You would know better than I. Uh, how would the drama dice or what the... T- uh, I, 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 feel, I feel like the game feels a little more heroic than you would put in a hard sci-fi game. The game feels a little more... Yeah, story. I mean, it's not, it's not super heroic, but yeah. I, I, I don't feel it's yeah. quite as gritty as maybe we're talking for like an Asimov type thing. Mm, mm, yeah, like, cause with the, uh, Asimovian sort of stories, mm. you're looking at things like Bailey and Donovan are trying to solve problems with the robots, which, I mean, the man wrote a whole pile of short stories, which were about, what if we take the three laws of robotics and somebody messes around with them? Mm. What happens next? And how do they manage to resolve it? Mm. Uh, because invariably something goes wrong. You heard what Elon Musk's solution to this is. So he's building robots. Yes. And he's decided he's going to build the robots. They're designed to interact in the world. The humanoid designed to interact in the world the way a human does. Right. But he's making sure they're all slower and weaker than humans. So if they ever did revolt, a human can beat them up. <laughs> and that's his solution to it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I mean... He basically I mean, says a human could push one over really easily. Okay. Well, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's a plan with no drawbacks whatsoever. Mm. And could in no way... I mean, I'm sure if we've got a five-year-old child, they wouldn't be able to think of a way around this in no time at all. I'm sure that wouldn't be a problem. Like, It's not like, I don't know, if robots decide to go through a vault, they might fix that problem. Or... Uh, Use yeah, tools of some kind. Tools? What? 
Yeah. Technology being turned against us. Yeah. That's crazy talk for us. Crazy talk. Yeah. But anyway, this is an RPG podcast. We should be yeah, talking no. about science fiction in relation to RPGs. So, yes. we need to do a hard sci-fi RPG. That yeah. would be a very different game to a soft, a space opera, you know, like a space opera. Yeah. Well, I mean, my favourite sort of thing was the Asmovian because I could really mm. relate to it. Uh, or Asmovian. Um, but then you've got stuff like Stephen Baxter, which is also undeniably hard sci-fi. Mm. Uh, it's like, when you start getting to the really hard sci-fi, then you are going beyond what you know about physics. So it's almost like yeah. you need a physics degree to do this. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking like space opera stuff, like, say Star Wars, which is like the mm. biggest space opera out there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's West End Games' D6 system, which is yeah. generally regarded as the best iteration of a Star Wars RPG. Mm. But I kind of feel like the Saga edition, which was D20, D20 system version. Mm-hmm. Yeah was pretty good because Star Wars, especially when you're talking about people like Luke Skywalker, they mm. literally embody the Zero to Hero arc, don't they? Mm, that's true. Yeah. He's a farm boy and he ends up being a really competent Jedi master. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and that is basically what uh, the D20 class and level system does mm. very well. That's basically okay. its thing. So, I, right. I kind of feel like that does quite suit Star Wars well, whereas it wouldn't suit Star mm. Trek at all. Yeah, yeah, like um, James T. Kirk starts off as a level one ensign mm. and then eventually becomes a level 20 starship captain. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like in something like Star Trek, you would expect people to grow in competence, but not to the same extent they do in D&D, I don't think. Uh, not in not in 5th edition, maybe one of the earlier versions, like an OSR hack. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, yeah or, or, or start about them, but that would be quite good. Mm. You Your hit points don't like scale quite so massively. Yeah. And like your, it, it uses the old second edition style of ability modifiers. So right. you, you have to be like 15 and above to get any sort of bonus at all. Otherwise it's just like zero. Hmm. Yeah. But still high level second edition characters were still very, very powerful. Hmm. Okay. I don't know how high it goes to be fair. I mean, it has power, but it couldn't really take as much punishment, I think. Second uh, edition? Yeah. Or was it like they could, 20d6. I don't, I don't really know, to be honest. Um, it's been a very long time since I've played second edition, but. Uh, my, 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 I've never actually had a chance to play pen and paper. I played Baldur's Gate. I think, I think, I think 5e reigns it in more than previous editions. So, mm. like third edition, definitely, you become yeah. proper, proper superheroes. Like, more so even than 5e. Because 5e wow. at least has that bounded accuracy thing going on. So your bonuses yeah. are limited mm. by your proficiency bonus. Yeah. So they only go up to plus five or plus six or whatever. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you, you'd be like in 3E, you'd be rolling T20 plus 37 or something. You know? Yeah. yeah which would like the it... dice didn't even matter at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. The dice was just a, an addendum. Yeah. I succeed. Deal with mm. that. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's definitely quite the power curve. Like, but anyway, either way, that's uh, not, that's thinking more about D&D. Certainly, yeah, you wouldn't want, I don't think, the officers are that much better. I mean, maybe Modifius is quite a good system for running it. Don't know. 2D20, yeah. Yeah. Possibly. So I've just typed in mm-hmm. best sci-fi RPGs into Google. Okay. Now, I've just got a whole bunch of lists. Okay. Uh, let's have Game Informer. Okay. Let's look at Game Informer first thing. So Game Informer, they've yeah. got... Five sci-fi RPGs to play if you like D&D. Okay. Stars Without Number, yep. which you've already recommended. Yep. The Strange, 
from Monty Cook Games. Mm-hmm. Okay. Our um, Cyberpunk Red from Artausorian. Okay, right. Alien from Free League. Mm-hmm. And Star Trek Adventures from Modiphius. Wow, that is... I gotta say that that is all over the shop. Yeah, yeah, that is a lot of different games. What I will say is that all of those are, except for Stars Without Number, actually, all of them are very specific settings. Yeah. Whereas, like D and D, kind of isn't a specific setting. You, it's kind of that's the rules, and then you attach a setting to D and D, don't you? Well, uh, because. The default setting is the Forgotten Realms. Oh, yeah, there is that. that which, but that is itself a kitchen sink fantasy. So there's just like, just throw everything on it. Yeah. Whereas I feel like if your game's designed for sci-fi, then in, in many ways it's sort of a, sort of a misnomer. Yeah. Because I suppose part of the attraction of fantasy is that things were better before. Mm. At some point in the golden age and now like they're less good. So it's like looking at the secrets of the ancients. Sometimes. Sometimes it's the other way around, though. Yeah. Well, like, which ones are you thinking of? Which fantasy Um, age does it start getting better? Where it was worse, and then it's better now. Um, Yeah. No, no, uh, you might be right. You might be right. I'm trying to think. You might be right, and nothing's coming to mind. You have a golden age, things go pear-shaped, and then they get maybe a bit better. Lord of the Rings. No, it's like, you know, what... the, the, the times where it was all elves all the time, before um, Morgoth, or whatever his name is, like, started kicking over the traces and being a pain. Mm. No, no, I guess, yeah, you're probably right then, yeah. Game of Thrones? Uh, yeah. Probably not, no. Um, that, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's pretty much a defining difference between the two. Like, science fiction says the future will be better, the fantasy says the past was better. Oh, science fiction definitely doesn't always say the future will be better. It says future will be different, but yeah. No, says, yeah sometimes it's way worse. Dystopian science fiction is very much a thing. No. Yeah. So. yeah. So anyway, looking at Dice Breakers list then instead. Yes. So mm-hmm. they've got the 10 best sci-fi. Yeah. Rather than five. So they say Starfinder. Okay. Which I wouldn't call sci-fi. It's uh, sp- space D&D fantasy. and space. Science fantasy. Yeah. Uh, those Dark Places, which is like an alien-inspired horror sci-fi one. Okay. Uh, Tales from the Loop. Okay, yep. Okay. Uh, Shadowrun. A choice, certainly. Yeah. Uh, Scum I, and Villainy. Star the, Wars. The Blades in the Dark, yeah. Force and Dark sort of thing, yeah. Cyberpunk Red. Okay. Well, that's, is that one of them? No, no, there's more. Uh, Blue Planet Recontact. Okay. Which I don't know much about. It's the far future. Earth has been ravaged by a terrible event. And mm. everyone lives on a colony on a planet called Poseidon 2199. There are okay. those who remain on what's left of Earth, desperately hoping for eventual rescue. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah, there we go. Star Trek Adventures from Motifius. Yep. Lasers and Feedings, which is a very simple RPG. Brilliant for running Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mostly ter- the original series, I would say. Yes. It definitely lends itself to that sort of big melodramatic steps. Yeah. And then finally, Modiphius's Dune Adventures in the Imperium. Right, right, right. I mean, I guess it's just like quite hard making all these things fit together. Like, I could see you could use something that you could maybe use to run Star Wars mm-hmm. uh, with June. Like, you know, if you just had the June RPG and you wanted to run a Star Wars game, you could. Yeah, uh, so why not? Yeah, would the converse be true? Would you be able to run 
June using a solvable system. You'd have to take some stuff out of it. Yeah, yeah. But other, other than that, yeah, I don't see why not. Mm. Now, I guess the question is, would you be able to then use this theoretical Star Wars system to run Star Trek? I think, yeah, you'd, you'd have to, again, take a lot of stuff out and add stuff in. So the mm. thing about Star Trek and Star Wars is they've got really weird levels of technology. Like, yes. each of them is way better at some things and worse at other things. Yeah. Okay. So take travel. Yes. In Star Trek, it takes the Voyager, what, seven years to cross the galaxy. Okay. So travel's slow in Star Trek. Yes. Compared to Star Wars, it'll take you a few days at most to travel across the galaxy, possibly hours. Yeah. Wow. So, so travel in Star Wars is orders of magnitude faster than traveling in Star Trek. At the very large scale. Well, when you look at other technology, though, in Star Wars, they can't teleport. They don't have transporters. That's a problem. In Star Wars, they don't even really have mobile phones. <laughs> I mean, they don't have communicate good communications technology. Yeah. They don't appear to have a space internet, although maybe they have in some of the extended universe stuff, but certainly not mm-hmm. in there. So, you know, Star Trek has some much higher levels of technology Mm. Star Wars doesn't have. And then Star Wars has Death Stars and things and massive, massive ships. That st- like, like big ships in Star Wars aren't Star Trek, aren't anywhere near as big as big ships in Star Wars. Yeah, that's true. I mean, what about a Borg cube? Like the Enterprise is tiny compared to a... Well, even that's quite small compared to... How big is a Borg cube? Okay, so I know that a Star Destroyer is a kilometre long. I know that. as a, okay. just a fact from my childhood. Borg cube <laughs> size. <laughs> Really? Only a thousand metres? Okay, no, they're bigger. 3,000 metres on each side. Well, I guess inflation gets everything, Russ. Yeah, so they're three (laughs) times the size of a Star Destroyer. What, a ball cube? Hmm. Okay, wow. Well, significantly more than that. In fact, Mm. wow. Yeah. But the Super Star Destroyer... Oh, oh, oh. Super Star Destroyer is... How big is that? 2,200 metres. So still not as big as a ball cube. Yeah, so... It could hide behind a ball cube quite easily. Hmm. Yeah. I thought they were bigger than that, but because yeah. when you see a Star Destroyer next to a Super Star Destroyer, it's not twice mm. the size. It's way bigger than that, isn't it? Hmm. That must be wrong. Length. Ah, there we go. On StarWars.com instead, mm-hmm. it says 19,000 metres. 19, 19 kilometres. Yeah. That's okay. More like it. Yeah, because right. when you see a Star Destroyer alongside a Super Star Destroyer, they look, they almost look like fighters flying alongside it. Wow, 19 kilometers compared yeah. to a clock. That's okay. Pretty big. That is, that is pretty big. That's pretty big. Yeah. 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 I don't think there's any ships in Star Trek that are that big, are there? No, no. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So they've got, they got really weird kind of technological Star Wars and Star Trek like differences where one's way better than the other and the other's way mm. better than the other other things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which mm. is kind of weird. So it'd be hard to use the same system to run each unless you did quite a lot of hacking. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, if we looked at two fantasy settings... Like Generally, the, that's a lot more easy to... The, the only thing that yeah. really is different is going to be the, whatever magic system they use. Mm. Other than that, we're, talk, we're talking swords, and we're talking, you know... Yeah, talking swords, probably some sort of magic. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it'll be the magic system, I guess. Yeah. Or the prevalence of magic. Is it lots of magic mm. or a little bit of magic? Right, 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 yeah. But I feel but, like that's uh, something you can reasonably... You can't in D&D so much because magic's so interwoven into just the core system. Yeah, yeah. I, it's like if you have someone banning magic in the setting, ma- the, the, the use of magic is outlawed, then it's like 
That's half the classes gone straight away. Oh, more, yeah. Um, and subclasses, I don't mm. think there's a single... Is there a single class that lets you... I mean, maybe monks don't let you have magic or don't cast spells? Not rogues. Rogues, uh, Eldritch, uh, Arcane Trickster. Yeah, but there's, option, there's options that, for that. That is an option, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, you but every subclass or every class has at least has one a spellcasting option, yeah. Yeah, even barbarians, path of the totem warrior mm. or your favourite bear barbarian, they can richly cast speaker of animals. Yeah. Although you could sort of reskin some magic, mm-hmm. like speak with animals, you could sort of reskin it just to say that someone is able to, you know, just communicate with animals without using magic, just through wisdom and sort of naturey stuff. Yeah, so it's I I, I guess there's like lots of different sorts of science fiction in some ways. Funny, interesting that none of these lists mention traveller, which is a bit of a wild exception because that is, is almost that's like a game. Yeah, that's like the D and D of sci-fi, isn't it? Yeah, and both lists did mention cyberpunk. Mm. I'm sort of a bit bewildered by that because like. Obviously, science punk, cyberpunk does fall within science fiction, yeah. obviously, but at the same time... You tend to think of it as a different genre, though, don't you? Yeah, it definitely falls into a science fiction umbrella, but it's like a large a large sort of neighbourhood all of its own. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And having cyberpunk and Shadowrun in the same list is definitely a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess that's what you're sort of looking for from a generic sci- sci-fi running system. Yeah. You want to have the option to have cyberpunk technology and spaceships and mm. I guess it's all technology. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, sci- sci-fi's never been as big as fantasy and RPGs. But much harder to do for a start. And fantasy's never been as big as sci-fi in movies. It's weird. Mm, mm. Um, it's starting to get more popular now, but still, it's not yes. on... It's, you know, there's still nothing... As big as Star Wars, franchise-wise, or anything like that. That's true. true. Fantasy-wise, uh, isn't it? Like, yeah. Lord of the Rings would be the closest, mm, and that's not as big as Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's what's easiest to make, in some respects, by which I mean, if you're doing a science fiction, whatever, uh, you could make, say, a fairly famous, or even iconic-looking spacecraft by taking a couple of higher dryers Gluing, hot gluing them together and painting it green, say. Yeah, but by the same token, you could do fantasy just by sticking someone out in the woods. You that know. is true to an extent. And <laughs> giving them a plastic sword. <laughs> you know, it's, uh... yeah, yeah. So I guess where would uh, things like, uh, do you remember Underworld? Kate Beckinsale, she's a vampire. Never bothered uh, mentioning it. It didn't interest me, but I know of it. Yeah, yes. But how would you deal with that sort of like werewolf and vampire thing on your science fiction is it science fiction? No, you just it? Is use World of Darkness, because that clearly is a World of Darkness ripoff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, but, could you use, but could you use a World of Darkness to also run your theoretical Star Wars game? Well, you'd have to hack it a bit, but yeah. I guess. You could. Well, well but, but let's, you know, people sort of say, why should I learn another game? Because D&D can do any genre. And technically, yeah. any game... Mm can run any any genre or setting. Technically, yeah. that is that is true. Mm. You know, I can take any role playing game and I can run any any anything you want in it. Mm-hmm. The thing is, what when you're taking a game and putting it in a costume, mm-hmm. that isn't always as good an experience as a game designed specifically for that purpose. 
Mm-hmm. So, yes, while it's technically true, D&D can do anything, some games will do, for example, a stress or horror mechanic better than D&D mm-hmm. because it's inbuilt into the actual game. Yeah. Like, D&D will never make you feel the way that Dread does, that sense mm-hmm. of tension and, and sort of fear and, you know, because, because, because of the actual mechanic of taking Jenga blocks out as your action resolution to find out when it happens. Yeah. Is scarier. Yes. Than rolling a D20. Whatever, you know, whatever you do. It mm. is a, and, you know, that's how different games that do things differently create mm. different, they feel different to play. Yeah. And there's so, no getting so, around that. They do. Yeah. We're, so we're all focusing on like the emotional experience, mm. as it were. Yeah. 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 Uh, which we want the players to have. Yeah. And different rule systems just feel different. They have a different feel to them. Mm-hmm. No matter what setting you put on them, they've got a different yes. feel, so they will feel different to each other. Mm. So if guess, they're well uh, designed, you know, and they're designed mm. to evoke a particular type of adventure or a type of story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like D&D feels a certain way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like the sort of heroic, yeah, it feels heroic fantasy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I know you're quite a big fan of Ravenloft, which mm. is meant to be D&D horror, mm. which, like, and to me, horror... I suppose we're sort of like going a bit beyond the scope of things, but sci-fi and horror are quite closely interlinked. Mm. And I know fantasy and horror can also be closely interlinked. Mm. So, um, like, I don't know, can we square the circle? Can we make a convincing fantasy horror game? Well, yeah. I mean, if you think about D&D, like Ravenloft is D&D's version of horror, obviously yeah. that is not the same type of thing as like something that really is a really spooky. So you're thinking about films and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you imagine Ravenloft as a film. That mm-hmm. is a very that's a that's a more popcorny version of horror than say mm-hmm. some kind of really dark like or than Alien, for example. Mm-hmm. It's this different version of horror, isn't it? It's a different it's okay. a different feel. If you watch mm-hmm. Ravenloft in a film, it would not mm-hmm. feel the same as watching Alien. No, they'd, both, no. they'd both be pretty cool, but they'd be different. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've played like a 24 hour game of Curse of Strahd. Mm. That was, that was quite, um, focused on the Hammer Horror film. How creepy was it? It wasn't massively creepy. Mm. It was like quite tense, but I suppose towards the end of 24 hours, I was too sleepy. <laughs> <That's> to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, well, of course, a lot of that just depends on who's running the game and how it's running the game and how immersed the yeah. players decide to get into that whether they lean into the horror or they don't, you know, it's, it's yeah. so many factors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess, um, horror, but I mean, could, hmm. cause there's different types of horror, but yeah, I guess you just use different types of games to do different types of horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. It sort of feels you could run more than one horror type. Yeah. But I guess if you're talking about games that feel differently to each other, horror is definitely the, genre that you go to because that's the one that's most closely linked with a strong feeling or emotion isn't it mm-hmm. out of all out of all sort of genre you know movie or even game genres horror is definitely yeah. the one that is most directly targeted at a specific emotion mm-hmm. but also very hard to do at the same top oh, actually yeah. yeah very hard mm. but you can it can be done yeah. mm. basically it, it it needs everybody to buy into it yeah, if, yeah. If you've got just one person there wise cracking away, then it's not going to work. 
Yeah, so you need like a really strong social contract to make it work yeah, properly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. I guess I'm um, just wondering how that t- how we can tie that into uh, science fiction. <laughs> well, we can't, really. <laughs> I, 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 well, some of the, like, you know, if we sort of go, I mean, some a lot of science fiction can be quite horrific as mm-hmm. well. I mean, not, not its stated intent, but obviously Alien and Aliens mm-hmm. are sci-fi horror. Uh, films like Event Horizon, that also sticks up in my memory. Yeah. And yeah. you also have like a, a whole pile of like low-budget sci-fi films like Critters. Where does Gremlins fall? Comedy horror. Comedy horror, yes. Yeah, that's the same genre as like Ghostbusters, comedy horror. Right, yes. The Ghostbusters, at least the original Ghostbusters film, is actually quite creepy. Especially if, especially if you're a kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel it holds up quite well, uh, even to later viewing. Uh, because some of the creepy bits are very creepy. Mm. So, yeah. But also, it's like Ghostbusters involves around like using technology to solve a lot of problems. Mm. Like, proton packs are a completely new invention. Uh, ghost traps. What, you ghost don't have a proton units. pack? Well, I, I used to have one, <laughs> but apparently I had to spend some sort of license. <laughs> it's like the environment agency came around and said, I've got a proton pack and I've got a tricorder, as you can see. Proton pack and a tripoder. Yeah. Truly. I mean, you're well set up to uh, do all sorts of things. Yeah. I guess uh, that'd be interesting. So, hmm. Sliders and Quantum Leap. Uh, they're also sort of their own brands of science fiction. There's a lot of different sub-brands of science fiction. Yeah. I mean, Quantum Leap is, is kind of science. It's got science fiction as the gimmick. But basically, right. once it gets there, it's just a basic normal sort of moral tale each week, isn't it? There's no mm, science fiction mm. in the actual resolution or the or the plot of each story mm. he visits. Yeah, that, that's not what it's there for. So, I guess, what about Battlestar Galactica? Mm. Uh, I don't recall them particularly using technology to solve their problems. Is that what makes a science fiction story? They have spaceships. They do have spaceships. I mean, Lord of the Rings has horses. I don't think of it as like a horse show. <laughs> Uh, yeah. no, no, of course, of course, Battlestar Galactica is sci-fi. I think it's mm. uh, ludicrous to suggest otherwise. Yeah, well, I mean, in many ways, it's sort of a soap opera. Mm. Depends which version of it. True, true. I, I was thinking of the more modern reboot, mm. unless they've rebooted it again. They are doing another one. <sighs> okay, fine. I think it's a film, though, rather than a show. I'm not entirely sure, but it's a reboot okay. based off the original 80s version, not based off the new modern version, I think. I did like the modern version until they got to the end. Yeah. And then I got quite upset with it. I think that's a fairly common opinion. <laughs> mm. That happens a lot with shows, though, doesn't it? Like, they ne- they yeah. often don't stick the landing. Yeah, yeah. Well, but they just said they had a plan, all right? That was, that was what I took away. <laughs> but we're not going to tell you. That, and that was fine. I didn't need them to tell me what the plan was. It says they'll like it. Anyway, I think we should record it there. So I think, think we probably should. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. 
If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Interview Hudson. Sorry? We can interview Hudson. Hudson, come here. We 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 can interview Hudson. On our podcast. Yeah. What do you think (laughs) of role-playing games? They taste good. (laughs) (laughs) They make a good sound when I rip the pages out. Do you you like the new tricorder? Yes, it was very tasty. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't eat my tricorder, would you, Hudson? (laughs) 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 It's time to speak volumes. (laughs) Of course I would.